0: For more than 25 years, Deanna Batdorf has been demystifying the status quo of health. She is a passionate educator whose mission is to empower you to take control of your own wellness. Welcome in to My Body with Deanna Batdorf, an Ask Me Anything podcast where Deanna gives you answers to your most pressing health and wellness questions. Along the way, Deanna will interview those that inspire her work as a holistic wellness practitioner. From birth workers to herbalists, yogis to MDs, you'll learn how to bring your body to a state of balance in this wild dance of life. Submit your questions on our website, DeannaBatdorf.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page No question is TMI for Deanna to answer.
1: Hi everyone, it's Deanna Backdorf here. Thank you for joining me. We're gonna be together here for a nice hour of time. And I really am about this whole ask me anything. Maybe good to consider, you know, health and in relation to self, but that is, our health is everything. And our health is connected to every part of us. So in that, ask me anything, the really, the concept becomes everything relates back to the self and our health and our weather report and our balance. And really just what is it to find your innate balance? And let's remember, we, we lose that and then we regain that. So it's not something we just find and then we hold it forever. It's something that we achieve, we try to hold it as long as we can, we develop it, we hold it longer amounts of time as we go, and then inevitably there's going to be something that throws us off. That can be food, that can be emotions, that can be something happening in the world or something happening right in your home, in your very small vicinity. So let's just keep in mind that It's an ebb and flow, and we're always having to look at what can I attain and what's working that I can count on. So I just want to open up with that, that idea that what can you count on that's really working for you? And let's just take one lovely little moment here and think about what is working for you. So where is there balance? It's going to be easy for your mind and your heart, and think about this in your mind and your heart. You can figure it out, but you want to feel it. So if you're going to go into the intellect and the knowledge base and your wisdom base of your head, connect that down and say, how does it feel? And just again, think about what is something that is actually working for you? I went immediately to my relationship and my love partner, Scott and how much it is working (laughs) amongst all of this and everything. It's amazing how much I can still go to that. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm listening and tracking my process. And so as soon as I said my relationship, I had this little thing that like poo-pooed it. Like, oh, you always say that. Like, pick something else that's working. And I just noticed I did that. So if I did that, I'm curious who else might have just done that. Or my mind maybe wanted to go to something that's not working instead of really focusing on the question at hand. And the question at hand was, what is working for you right now? What is in balance for you right now? So, wow, what a powerful thing to start with. What a powerful thing to be able to like, I'm going to start every one of my days with thinking about something that's working for me. And now it's going to be about achieving that goal or intending that that continues as a flow. So I'm going to have to make sure I, you know, like look Scott in the eyes and tell him I love him and tell him today that this is working for me. Our relationship is working for me. And then I get to back it up And then I get to build upon that. And it'll be nice to see where that takes us into a beautiful dinner together, or who knows what else. Those things really add up (laughs) to more juice and abundance and shared connection. So remember, we don't have as much shared connection now, but you have connection to yourself and the things that are working for you. Now, let's really go into what I wanna talk about before I just dive into any question. I'm always going to give you a little focus topic, and this one's fall cleanse. As we fall back, we follow through to fall back appropriately so we can actually calm down and, and actualize hibernation in the winter. So we have three months to follow through on any project and different things you have, and we have to, we have to cleanse and really look at what we need to do to have the energy to generate that. But let's take one more moment before we get into that and let's build into this cleanse. If you're gonna cleanse, you don't wanna be random. It's not just which one's new, you know, it's what, where do you want to cleanse? Like what part of your body do you wanna cleanse? Spring and fall are cleansing times. And so fall cleanse is really about like what part of you is needing to clear out so i can tell you one right now for me and take a moment to think about your symptoms what are you affected by is going to help you to know what you need to cleanse so while i'm talking about mine which i think is going to end up being many people's just start thinking about what are honestly the symptoms think about your gut you know what symptoms do you have in your upper channels and that's where i'm gonna go because hello it's fire season I'm knocking on wood all the time. I'm keeping my wet you know blanket over my land and everybody's land because it's dry outside, and that's an easy way to make a fire. And why is uh, this time of year fire season? Because we just came out of summer. And summer dried everything up. I mean, it was solar and and amazing and warm and beaming with sun. but you know that also makes us kind of crispy and crunchy if we overdo it. And if you overdo it with like drinky poos or eating whatever you want, well, that makes us crispy and crunchy too. And they're also hot. So they're gonna be summer equals summer (laughs) and hot equals hot. So think about how inflamed you might be in your symptoms right now and how much are they connected to dehydration? First things to think of. How crispy did you get this summer? (laughs) you know, And how much did it flare a fire of your own just like out in the world, at least in this region. And with that said, think about your lungs if you are in smoke. And we have to think about lungs too if you're in any of those flooding regions, because we also have some floods and hurricanes and things going on. you got to think about your lungs and your respiratory also, because that breeds mold and fungal. So if you're in a wet environment this time of year, you have to think about how much wet, congestion stagnation how much is in my lymph how much got into my respiratory how much drained down into my lungs and your bronchial tree throughout this whole channel where the lymph drains you also have all your upper respiratory okay so is it wet or is it that it dried out and got that dry inflamed you know smoke inhalation chemicals so chemicals and smoke are dry And you might be more flared right now and that means your lungs your upper channels your sinuses your upper lymph everything through your bronchial down into your lungs everything if you are dry needs a bucket of water so you got to think about cooling nourishing you know you could still do a steam inhalation because it's very nourishing but you want anti-inflammatory like use some of the yarrow leaves or a little bit of lavender or lemon balm that might be in your yard and you can get those dried too and add them in but you're going to want to steam in a way that is going to nourish everything and kind of cool it down if you're wet if you're in a more flooding or you know this was a different summer for many many people and there's a different level of wetness in other regions we may not think about it here where we live that's a whole different picture because our climate is changing And so then we have to think about, okay, what am I going to put in there that's going to be cleansing? What am I going to put in that steam? And you're not going to want to steam too much. It's wet too. But you would do more like thyme and rosemary and sage, things that kill fungus, and you just wouldn't really focus on the steam. Uh, You might think about eating those foods, like throw some thyme in your mouth and really chomp it through. You'll realize how cleansing it is it'll start moving all that mucus and giving you postnasal drip which is things liquefying they gotta liquefy to get out so that's the name of the game with wet in the cleansing of fall is gonna be like okay put it in your mouth get it in your gut break it up with really invigorating expectorating herbs again rosemary thyme sage. What else would I give to that list? I mean, that would definitely also be osha. And we have a California osha to think about. That would also be ginger. You know, some simple things like that. And Ellen campaign would be another one you'd want to really target. And tagetes, Mexican marigold. Mexican marigold is this huge shrub. If you ever need a beautiful privacy shrub, smells so good. Makes the most beautiful, you know, green, lush, yellow flowered plant but it's incredible for clearing congestion out of the upper sinuses and the lungs so that was all wet if you were going to try to hydrate your lungs and you were in more of a dry fiery region then you'd want to really be thinking more about like those calming cooling so again mint lemon balm maybe a little bit of licorice a little bit of ashwagandha, shatavari, um, in your yard, comfrey, I mentioned lavender. These would be the things that are gonna be a little bit more nourishing and you could be steaming literally three, four times a day right now. Because if everything's caked on and it's crispy and dry, you're gonna have to soak that upper channel pan. You're gonna have to soak the pan over and over before everything's gonna be able to get nourished enough and slough off. And I I talk about this in the intestines all the time, which is the next part of our fall cleanse here. But I talk about that a lot. Like, you know, you're like a casserole pan. How many have heard me say that, you know? And I'm like, everything's crispy and caked on. And you need to soak the pan. And then the pan sloughs off its edges and then you easily clean the pan, right? So same thing with all of these open channels. They get that same theory put behind them. So remember, you don't want to boil water and make a steam inhalation and then toss it. You know, you want to like throw it in a tub and put some of those herbs in a tea, you know, take a little bit, make a tea, drink it, throw those herbs in a tub. You just did a steam. You got that tea, the steam the tea, you got that in your stomach for your gut, and then you soaked in it in the tub. So get the most out of that or go even simpler and just reheat that tea because it's not just steam, it's not just water and herbs. You made a an herbal tea steam. So consider, you know, hey, I'll take a cup out so I've got some in my stomach too while I'm doing this, but you can reboil it. You could add a little fresh herbs to kind of give it a kick each time. And you could use that, you could reboil it probably a good four times in a day, you know, or leave it overnight and do another one in the morning. And you're getting the most out of it. And speaking of getting the most out of it, we wanna do that for the planet. We wanna do that for the plants. We wanna make sure that we're not just taking a big old bundle and throwing it in there, using it once and then, throw it away. We want to respect the plants enough to say, wait, do I want to soak my feet in this? Do I want to make this into a tea also? Do I want to take a bath? Do I want to boil it again? Continuing with fall cleanse concept, we want to really think about the intestines. Anytime we're in fall or we're in spring, we want to have that consideration of not just the upper channels and clearing out the immune and respiratory, which is all about prepping for winter when we get sick easier. But the only time this is really gonna be affected upper channel is when lower channel of your small intestines is really in the same state. So it's not just that you breathed in this smoky air or you got a mold from a moist environment. Those things don't just go into the lungs, they drip down into our stomach and we take them in through our mouth not just through our nose. And so, you know, we breathe through both. And so that becomes an intestinal picture, which is really the primary function of a cleanse. You can think cleanse my liver, cleanse my kidneys, you know. You can think really deep organ or your spleen. But you have to go via the gut. And the gut has to be clear and everything has to be cleansing down and out for you to really be able to have full expansion up. So you gotta go down and out so you have expansion up. So we're always in fall thinking about, are the intestines clean? Is the immunity strong? And how is the upper channels been affected by the lower channels of the body? So that would really be my opener for, what are we looking for as we go into autumn, fall? And this is about follow through. That's how I started this Q and A is, you know, we are in time of follow through so we can fall back and go into hibernation with ease, which then allows us later to spring forward and summer blossom. So anything you can do in the next three months that is going to not just be strip my body out, cleanse, 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 but like cleanse and the energy to follow through and cleanse and the energy to follow through. That is the goal for the next three months, is to like, what did I start that needs more attention? What is it that I need to finish up and button up? And what do I need to do that is going to allow me to soften into winter and really continue on whatever project I choose to do? So even if I'm continuing a project, you know, I'm all about this is follow-through time to really get that dialed in.
0: Would you like to study Ayurveda and elemental theory with Deanna? Check out my body educational programs on our website, DeannaBatdorf.com.
1: Some of you out there have known me for a very long time. You know I'm such a long-termer, super committed to just continuing education. And in the last five years or so, though I have known Mary Sheila Ganella much longer than that, we have been teaching our beautiful, edible Ayurveda class. This is my co-teacher and my partner in education when it comes to nutrition and all things edible. And that's really something that we both knew we had such a passion for and just what is food, the obstacles with food, what do you need to know about food, and how do you make it fun and playful and be really well-educated? And I wanted to make sure I was pairing with a teacher who could really bring to the table all the pieces that maybe I don't hold or maybe even choose not to hold. You know, We all get to decide. And so I just feel like we have made a very good We've made a very good pair. Yes,
2: exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As far as our knowledge base. And we hold different pieces, but we come together and we teach this brilliant Edible Ayurveda course. And the Edible Ayurveda course is broken down into two we have our appetizer and our entree and dessert. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's really seven weeks and seven weeks. You can go at your own pace. So you don't have to do seven weeks, but we stay on the journey with you but i asked mary sheila to join me today and we'll see what her opinion is on some of these questions we have too um is there anything you want to say to bring yourself into this today
2: well i consider myself lucky to have chosen this path of nutrition and health and wellness and um and and it's funny because Deanna and I met years ago, actually, when I had a restaurant in Occidental, and that's when we first, you know, and I didn't even really realize who she was or the school that she had, and I ended up going down a journey to study nutrition, so grateful for it, and just have, like, you know, soaked it up, and I've never stopped, and then, um, then when I really realized what you had going, I was like, oh my gosh, I am going to dive in and take your class, which I did, and it was amazing. and. I just love the teacher that you are. And then I went off to teach for seven years at Bowman College. And it was such a, I felt like I was, I had the best um, like send off after studying with you and just like, you know, really understanding ways of teaching and sharing and, you know, and then teaching at a college for seven years was amazing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, like when you're bringing it to people who are practitioners or want to become practitioners you can't hold anything back Mm -hmm. you really have to step up or i felt like i really had to step up into just you know diving super deep so again the study is so is always there and then deanna i knew how much you were holding here so it's like hey what about this connection between what you're doing with nutrition and ayurveda let's merge those two worlds even deeper than what you're already doing and luckily you were like yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so it's that idea of like, don't forget to just ask for what you want in this life, right? And, yeah. um, and just, you know, bringing together, and I'll just say for me, like, and you know, all of you are here listening to Ayurveda and Deanna talk about it, it brings such a deep level. And I feel like the first line of defense, you know, yes, it's, it's an emotional science, but it's mm-hmm. also food is your medicine. And the elements and your symptoms don't lie. So the more you can just really um, understand those principles of Ayurveda, the more you can be on this continuous journey of of discovery and of just you know bring come you know kind of like the river of life of just finding balance. And um, and that's what edible Ayurveda really is. We start with a foundational piece, right, where we really just lay down the foundations of how food acts in the body and which foods are more cold, dry, hot, and wet. And then we really tap it in. We tap into mindful eating a lot too. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the physiology because you know you can't ignore um, you know symptoms of. You know, any digestive organ that are more vata, that are more pitta, and that are more kapha. And, and then... we
1: have the right to know what those symptoms mean. Exactly. And to be able to track those symptoms.
2: It's yeah. our right
1: to be able yeah. to do
2: that. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really powerful.
2: Yeah, it's fun.
1: Let's see
0: if there is a question. Submit your questions on our website, com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. No question is TMI for Deanna to answer.
1: Okay. Curious what Deanna has to say about women who are really quick to tears and have been their whole lives, especially in moving ceremonial spaces or when they are being honest to people that mean a lot to them to the point where the gift of feeling deeply feels imbalanced and keeps one from engaging from those situations like there is a lot of watery emotion ready to dump out whenever a tiny opportunity presents itself how to reclaim this and support oneself first off i want to express um how beautifully written that was and so i really want to start with this idea that there is something you are feeling how precious life is and it is moving you to tears that you feel how precious it is. And even when you write this, it was written in very precious, sweet energy, very Kaffa healthy, because it was also well articulated. So there's some fire behind how you wrote that. And I'm leading up to your answer, but you know there's some fire behind how you wrote that. But absolutely, I can see that you're seeing things as, as precious and emotional. And that is wet like tears, that's the mantra of Kaffa water and earth. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, now down to the the nitty-gritty of this question. There is something about being able to not just flow and give your energy and emotion, but being able to contain your energy and your emotion. And sometimes people will just get one of their places of emotion that'll just get really overactivated like your tear ducts and then everything moves through that space. Sometimes other people will get it where they always get the sweaty palms or always sweaty armpits or even sweaty feet. So these are all different places that we start having connections to our emotions and then they are the waterfall effect at every time you feel something. So I'm gonna give you a suggestion literally for your tear ducts and for your eyes, okay? and that is the castor at night because i want you to learn how to and you just get a good organic castor oil i have some online and you just take a little smear and swab it into your eyeball and you just rub it around because it's a great eye cream anyway it's goopy go to bed So the last thing i do boom go to bed what that's going to do for you is it's going to start satiating and calming down the 12 cranial nerves that sit around your eyeballs, okay? And that's your motor and your sensory organs. And it's all about being moved by a ceremony or being moved by the world. And so just being able to satiate your nerves is gonna be a very important thing. And to start giving a different nourishing inward with the caster versus moving your energy outward. And it'll change over time how your tears feel they need to express beyond maybe move through you. And I've had to learn this as a practitioner when people are telling me really sad stories or I'm really feeling somebody. I'm feeling their issue. I'm feeling their pain. But it's not going to help me to take it on. It's not going to help for me to just show sympathy and just cry. Sometimes I'll shed a tear. But I've had to learn, since I am cough wet how do I use that and let it just, I mean, cycle through every bit of my body and feed my cells and come up with what can I hold right now? And how big can I let this beautiful energy move into the world around me versus giving it up and releasing it out? So I just wanna first give you the castor oil and cycling and how do you cycle it? Now, if every time you start welling up with tears, you kind of start holding it in. Oh, good. Oh, here they come. Here they come. Like, you know, might even be what you're saying inside, not saying outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, that like, oh, my tears. Oh, oh, oh. Guess what? I'm holding my breath. If I'm holding my breath, I'm hiking up all my energy in my psoas. You should look up the psoas muscle. And I'm hiking it up, and then everything wells up and moves out. So, if you want to cycle that energy, not just a theory, But you want to inhale, and we expand out to the world when we inhale. What is in me? And we expand out, and it fills us up, and then we exhale, and we cycle it back down through the body. And then we expand into that ceremony, that group of people that are moving you. You expand, and then you surrender, and you exhale, and you send it back through, back to you. So it's not just about them. It's about cycling it back to you and then it's all now everyone's feeling a power and holding a container for energy instead of just moving energy right even over talking sometimes is just moving energy it's not necessarily expanding or changing the energy so those are the things i think of right off there could be a whole nother little journey that comes into this that's like Where does your trauma lie? When did you maybe start those tears flowing? And was there a certain onset that was really something's grief or sad that every time you feel, it takes you back to that grief or sad. So you may have a trauma onset that is like moving your hormones. Hormones are to spur on emotion. We actually talk about them a lot in the Edible Ayurveda course correlating to what we choose to put into our body, but these hormones really get triggered with certain trauma responses. So if you know you have a cause and effect, meaning you had this onset that made you start crying and now you can't really control it, it keeps welling up on you, then I would really say where that psoas and that breath and holding that container becomes an even a deeper, bigger part of your picture. Because the psoas is where we kind of hold our visceral story and it's where we start hiking up and holding in, sucking in, sucking it up, holding secrets or holding, you know, things that aren't complete. And that pushes things up and forward, you know, make them a lot more exaggerated. So Mary Sheila, I'm curious on this question. What, what does it make you think of? Something that I connected to in my own
2: life from a long time ago and a different um, emotion, but like something that was always triggered around certain situations. So I really like where you were going with the trauma. There can be some kind of ritual or ceremony to form some kind of protection for yourself in those situations, especially if you know like, oh, I'm avoiding these situations because um, I know that this is gonna happen. Like, is there something that you could do? And in in a sense that doing, it might, uncover more of the trauma that you're talking about a ritual of like protection and just see how that lands and how that feels Mm -hmm. when you're in those situations i started uh braiding my hair and the braiding my hair was a way for me to bring my energy inward you know Mm -hmm. and it was just i did it in that for that reason and i i didn't tell anybody but it it was like this protective force i put over you know it was like my cloak my hair being braided my energy coming in so i'm just wondering if there's something in that respect of just and i I really appreciate what you said too just recognizing the tear ducts um the sweaty palms the sweaty armpits the sweaty feet the butterflies in the belly like Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting how we do all have that experience and for some people it's more contained and for other people it's just right there. I get that it's like something that you'd like to shift but I also think that I don't know sometimes when I'm in a situation and I see that I feel like it gives everybody permission and it's really holding a certain space you know it's holding something that everybody can get value from. I think also looking at what it does in a community space Mm -hmm. for other people.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, you were saying like, how do you have your cloak? It reminds me of when you're in India and you go to temple or if you're going into ceremony You always have your prayer cloth. That's why so many people have themselves kind of wrapped up. In India, they're not just trying to cover their face or something like in other cultures. And those are all just have actually beautiful theories behind them. But they're really doing it as a way of cloaking themselves. Just putting that around you and wrapping it up around your head. But that it reminds me of like when I go to ceremony, I always like to have my cloth. And that's one of the ways I hide in the self-care sanctuary. (laughs) (laughs) and keep my space if I want to go in there when there's a whole bunch of other people and everybody just wants to say hi but I want to go inward and take esteem. I have a couple prayer cloths and I kind of wrap myself up and it's me keeping my energy contained which is really what Mary Sheila's speaking about. It's Mm -hmm. like how do you keep that energy contained? Right. But I got to say if you're getting tears over everything going on in the world I just want to say thank you for holding an emotional stance in the world. I don't want to see that as just a negative thing think about how much we're taught not to cry or taught that it's vulnerable to cry you know it's wrong to cry or there's only a right time and a wrong time like in my house don't cry on christmas don't cry before church and then it's okay to cry coming in when you're playing outside okay well now you can cry no big deal perhaps there's some things there and i just don't want to look at it as a fully negative thing you might be representing just somebody who who really feels the world But yeah that needs some boundaries too feeling the world too deeply can kind of take you away
0: Mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. very
1: important to even know how to cloak that and be like i still get to live life lots going on out there but i still have work to do and i still need to stay in my focus for me in the day let's see if there's any other questions here maybe we'll create a question that sounds good yeah i was thinking just
2: now about something that i i made yesterday with warm and dry and windy and I was like gosh I need something do you want to hear what it was yes (laughs) (laughs) so I have some figs right now and figs are just so moist Mm -hmm. and they're definitely sweet so I had some sunflower seeds and I soaked those for a little while and I put them in my blender with the figs and with a little water and just a dash of vanilla and a little cinnamon and just blended that up and made this this beautiful like white Mm. creamy drink in the afternoon so for me and for for all of us like just to give the kind of the backups, I am not a person that can do a smoothie in the morning for breakfast and part of the reason why is because it really messes with my blood sugar when my first meal happens it's usually savory and it's protein fat and fiber because that really helps balance blood sugar and so if I'm going to have the sweet the fruit that's when my body can handle it that's really when the rhythm of our hormones of metabolism like um, insulin and leptin are tend to be higher in the afternoon if left to their own devices so we can tolerate that more so in the afternoon you know I was working kind of feeling a little like Meh, and I thought, I'll have this nice smoothie and it was just a really nice creamy wet and you know and even when you have a smoothie it's good to take it slow sometimes you can even have it with a spoon just to like kind of still have that chewing action to get all those enzymes in there but it was just really very seasonal i mean if you think about it you know i didn't the sunflowers did not come from my garden but this is the time that there's a lot of sunflowers in the garden the seeds Mm -hmm. and the birds are eating them all so it's definitely like oh okay this Both of those
1: are very seasonal. First off, I've had these figs and they are brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) They're so good. But let's talk about that for a minute because somebody might have even just heard, like that is such a brilliant thing, recipe. I have two things to add on to that. One is how smart of you to do that in the afternoon when it's adrenal kidney time of day. Yeah. So not only are we in that, like I was talking about in the beginning, we're in that kind of dry, crispy getting out of summer going into fall right and there's the smoke at least around our place so not only is there that but this is the time when we have to do that nourishment to combat the dry so smart recipe on a seasonal level but time of day really played out there. And this is where we start talking like in Edible your vet, about transit times and seasonal times and quantity, quality and all these things that are really helping you to keep the balance. So we want to think about nourishment. The kidneys are the oceans of the body. And we never really have to have excess adrenaline or get our imbalance of cortisol levels if we keep our kidneys healthy. So if those kidneys have ample water, those adrenals don't have to come to your rescue. They're not in survival, fight or flight. And so that two to five in the afternoon, I kind of open that window a little more than just the two hour, but two to five is a time when you might be like, I need a stimulant or I want some chocolate or I want something sweet because we're looking for quick energy. And there's nothing wrong with sweet energy. That's the other part of what Mary yeah. Sheila's speaking of. Sweet is not a bad thing. Yeah. That fig is a really healthy, viable food. Tons of enzymes, tons of minerals, and yes, sweet taste factor called sweet rasa. It's actually called madura, madura rasa. And, you know, we have to really be willing to say, when is sweet the right time? After a big meal, sweet is not the right time. Right. Just eating danishes, not (laughs) the right thing. (laughs) But if you're timely with your sweet, it really has such a brilliant value. And those figs are going to be the very fiber you need to nourish the intestines and to slough off everything on the edges, which is then going to take you into a really deep, really efficient cleanse. So we're back to that main topic of the day, which was how do you do cleansing in the fall? And remember, you have three months to do it. So you don't need to cleanse for three days and throw your body off and try to keep working. Right. <laughs> you want to be able to really say, I've got three months to have an intention yeah. of cleansing. And so anytime I can do an enema extra, great. If I do a little purge, great. If I start looking at maybe a little less uh, saturated fat, that would be the thing to target in the no to avoid for this season. So this would be a low saturated fat season. Okay, you go back to those saturated fats in the winter when we need that insulation to hibernate and secure, you know, get through the cold. But this would be the time of year where you're more thinking about sweet figs or sweet peppers, all the things that are kind of cooked and fibrous. And you would stay with your EFAs, stick with all your essential fatty acids, but you wouldn't wanna be like butter and ghee and meat and dairy. This would be the time of year where those aren't nearly as valuable. They're the fuel of kind of summer and winter and even summer, you gotta watch it. If you were going to add anything to fall cleansing, because I started with that before you got mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. and I talked about the difference between uh, like people who are in very wet environments, having to deal with yeast fungal right now, and then okay. all the people who are in smoke, dry, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. connection to lungs and intestines. But anything you would add to fall cleanse?
2: Well, I think, you know, acting seasonally, I know, you know, like apples and pears, all those things that are seasonal are really, specific lung that wet um, and then I would say too like this is when we want to pull out the the crock pot or the pot or whatever mm-hmm. whatever your kind of pot is that you like to cook in now <laughs> but um but that's what I say and I mean and this is the time to like think about in the garden there's like the red peppers and the pungent. And the pungent really helps to disperse things. So thinking about smoke as kind of getting stuck in the lungs and thinking about even mold and fungal kind of also getting stuck. The fire, that heat will help disperse things. In fact, just because I know this study, there was a study down in um, Los Angeles years ago on lung health and um, they found that even, and it was with smokers, the smokers in the like Latino groups, actually fared much better and had much less lung cancer because they ate so much spicy food. Uh So the spice and the heat just disperses that. Some of you might be like, gosh, I'm so vata, like I, you know, or I feel so dry, I don't like that much spice, but you can think of it as pungent too. So even, again, some of those roots that are in season right now, like, uh, you know, radishes and, Maybe even like rutabaga, rutabaga, and turnips even. <laughs> yeah, they're turnips. Pung- exactly, they're more pungent. And kohlrabi. arugula, kohlrabi, exactly. We should water do crest. it. Watercress. Yeah.
1: Arugula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're all got that warm, peppery, spicy. It doesn't have to be a bunch of chilies that like blow you out of the water. Yeah. And by the way, if you add chilies into like the instapot like if you add it in with your stew or your soup right now you really are adding a balance because then you have the cooling water the liquid of your meal and connected to just the amount of spicy that tastes right in your mouth is the amount of enzymes and vitamin c and that's the amount of heat you need yeah. you know so some people will avoid fire but they're craving spicy food really bad yeah and they're not really helping themselves by avoiding that food. Maybe you don't want to put a bunch of chiles with ghee and kind of maybe fatty meat right now because that's how you make an oil fire. I always look at chiles and I think about how can I pair it with water, cilantro, lime, anything alkaline I can get my hands on, bok choy, you know, celery, cucumber. So how do I put the chiles with something that are also cooling or wet? Um, And that balances it out. It changes it completely. Yeah. Um, But I can believe that because there's also so much vitamin C and folic acid in those chilies. So there's a whole nother immunity property Mm -hmm. that not only cleanses us and liquefies everything through pungent, but then is preparing us for that harder immune time of year that is three months away, winter. Right. So you're prepping yourself for the winter. Every season we have a focus. But the focus is really about how it's gonna get you in a better position for your next season. So they're not really just separate and you're changing gears. The more you do each season, the easier each season becomes because you'll have less balances as you go from season to season. Like I used to get sick all winter long because I have my own history with immune. I'm amazed at how amazing I've gotten my immune system as I've gotten older my immune system has actually become stronger but it's because I'm working those seasons and I know that I'm cleansing at certain times I'm building blocks at certain times and I'm really making sure that I'm ahead of the game instead of waiting to get sick right right you don't want to start all the remedies once you're sick you want to be
2: Proactive, right? Yeah. And it reminds me too, I love thinking about it like evolutionary wise. So here we are in the fall, and it's just now that we've hit equinox, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I feel the fall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just in the last few days. Yeah. And what I'll say too is like, you know, this is the time that we would be, and we are, you know, some of us, or if you're going to the farmer's market, you're we're harvesting all the roots. Um, and you know, again, all those sweet fruits that have just had the whole summer. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like sometimes the berries come on first and they're not as sweet. And now we've got like the sweet figs That's and the sweet right. pears, right? Everything is just really, really sweet. And in, in evolutionary wise, we would have eaten all those sweet things, all those extra sugars, and what would it have done? It would have kind of fattened us up a little bit and thickened our blood, right? Because when we eat a lot of sugar, if we have more sugar than our body can handle at once the excess sugar is going to get sent to the liver the liver is going to convert it into triglycerides into cholesterol and our cholesterol is going to raise but that thicker blood that higher cholesterol is also going to allow us to be kind of almost warmer in the winter time it's more protective more coated and then we go through winter and we eat all our root vegetables and our ferments and our cured proteins and all of that right and then we start to run out of all that stuff by the end of winter and spring comes and what happens we walk out the door or we you know we get came out of our caves and there's the green sprouts starting to come up so that's just a very natural time so in the winter we might have been more like in keto because we didn't have that much and mm-hmm. that falls into spring where we have a little bit more of all those greens and so it's very cleansing and those greens are really targeting the liver and the blood is getting thinner, and you know the cholesterol is coming down, and then like the cycle continues, right? And we, like you said earlier, blossom into summer, and then we, we have more available in the summertime. So if we really, now, I mean, we're not in that anymore, because we can go to any supermarket and get anything That's we want right. 365 days a year. But if you really think about that, so even when we get onto trends of like, gosh, I, I want to try keto, or I want to try this, or I want to eat more like my constitution, I think there's always a time and place for that, and I think there's every diet has its benefits, and it also has its maybe contraindications, but they're not always meant to be doing forever. Like, you wouldn't want to miss out in summertime on eating fresh berries, because they're so right. antioxidant rich. So you might do keto for a little bit over the winter, spring, and then you start eating more seasonally. And that's also, like, I will just say, talking about immunity, I mean, One of the biggest pieces of supporting your immune system is protecting and nourishing your microbiome and all of your bacteria. And if you completely stick with something for so long and it becomes more rigid and there's not a lot of variety, then you're gonna really limit the scope and the balance and the protection and the benefits of the microbiome. So there's where that variety lies. If you can even get up to like 200 plant foods in a year. And that can include your spices and just everything. The more diverse you are with your food, the more diverse and healthy your microbiome and your immune function. And we can't forget about the gut-brain connection. So that gut-brain connection is huge. The health of your brain, your mood, your sharpness, your sleep function, you can't have that without having this. So there's a reason this is the second brain or you know, maybe it's the first brain, like it just depends how you, how you want to spin it. Same brain, (laughs) connected brain. Same brain. I like that. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) And there's one other piece, tying it back into intestinal cleanse. And like, people don't think of sweet as cleanse, but it is. Why do we have roots more now? and into winter. And why do we have all these sweeter fruits now, like the persimmons that are gonna be coming up? They're very sweet. And the reason for that is because that's where we have the highest amount of fiber. You can see the fiber when you open up the fruit. You cut into a root, it's so firm, you gotta really have a handle on that knife, and that's because it's full of fiber. So we have to really trust that sweet is offering dietary fiber. And what does dietary fiber do for you? It sops up your toxins and it acts as a vehicle to collect toxins and things that are of a liquid matter that are either really acidic or in excess. And it pulls it and binds it, which is what makes our stool, our fecal matter. And then our plumbing works on gravity just like our plumbing in the world. And so we have to bind it. And that weighs it down, and then it allows that peristalsis to move it up and over and back down and move it out of the body, which takes, again, pressure off the upper channels. So down and out, making sure you were having really adequate bowel movements. And that is one thing how many people know that prunes are good as a laxative. Mm -hmm. Great example right Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And they're a seasonal fruit this time of year. Yeah. When we try out our fruit... We're left with all the dietary fiber. And it actually has a sweeter factor to it often because the water content is gone. And so it's this more dense fiber. And then you just have to eat a couple figs or a couple prunes. That's something to think of. If you give these figs a moment, buy figs. That's going to be our suggestion to you. Yeah. Hopefully, you have or a tree. Find a tree. Find a tree. There's plenty on a tree to yeah. feed so many. But, you know, guess some figs. And really eat that little basket of figs in a matter of, let's say, a week's time because you don't have to be excessive. Yeah, one or two a day. It's like plenty usually. And maybe you put this to the test for the next week and see, do you have a little bit more of a grounding do you feel like your bowels are moving a little bit more fully our bowels are supposed to be shaped like a banana Mm -hmm. also high fiber Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) shaped like a banana and it shouldn't you know be heavy when it hits the water yes we're talking about stool poop and it shouldn't stick to the wall of the toilet and it shouldn't float showing there's too much mucus content So it should be just ever so slowly slipping down to the bottom of the toilet effortlessly, as they say in India. There's a sense of completion, and I think that's something we have to start thinking about. Is it too odorous and you're like, oh my gosh, i got to cover up the smell. Well, then you might want to track what you ate in the last three days and just see like something didn't break down right or it was in excess and it smells more. But we also wanna be making sure we're tracking our stool as far as like, were you satisfied? Come on, when you have a really good bowel movement, who is gonna deny yeah. that it is satisfying? <laughs> it oh. is satisfying. I don't know why we are having issues with like totally. these levels of pleasure, probably because we've made a whole bunch of shame around it Yeah, because it smells or it's wrong or it's dirty.
0: Special thanks for the music and talents of Gents Jarvie. You can hear him on Spotify or on his website, J E N S J A R V I E, and theheartwideopen.com.
2: I'll just say this because I see a question in here that is exactly with what you're talking about. It says, can you say more about eating pleasure versus shame and false contentment?
1: Well, (laughs) yeah, it's a big thing, pleasure and shame. So I think it's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And again, we talk about this a lot in the edible, just because we're all about no shame. Like you get to eat whatever you want. It's about when and what do you eat? But if I was gonna elaborate on this, it's just, you have to really separate processed sugar from whole food sugar. So that's the first step. So I have to look at the fig and respect it as a fruit from nature. And then I have to start looking at what tastes more sweet is more sweet. So like, I can't do bananas every day. They're too sweet for me. But somebody who's maybe more vata and dry, they could do a banana every day. Scott thrives on bananas. I do not. So taste the sweet and really get a feel for how much sweet do you think you need? And I try to think how little, like when do I hit that? Oh, it just got sweeter. This is what happened. I got some figs from Mary Sheila last week. I ate one and I was like, oh, but it tasted so good. I went to eat the other one and it tasted a little too sugary. And so I just sat it down and then I ate it a couple hours later. Mm -hmm. And then it was just so satisfying that I just waited to eat the next figs. I think you gave me three Mm -hmm. and I ate it the next day. And I noticed my bowels were just working so good. But if I looked at that fig and said, I'm eating sugar, I am such a bad girl right now. I'm eating sugar and I'm kafa, and I have weight issues and I'm not allowed to eat sugar. Well, I'm in shame. And I am not letting food be pleasurable. And figs are aphrodisiac. You should not deny yourself anything that is that sexy. I'm sorry. You just should not be denying anything that has a sensuality. Mm -hmm. And that's how I had to approach mangoes that are a little sweet for me too. But I had to be like, when? In the summer? When I'm in the tropics. And I had to really understand there's enzymes there for me. And there's pleasure in that mango for me. And so how much do you want to play with that? But separate the fig from like, I overate an entire chocolate bar. Or the muffin from the fig. And say those are two completely different things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're even allowed to have a muffin once in a while if you want Mm -hmm. to, if you ask me.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's just about when and when was the right time and you know, maybe the right kind or whatever, but I think we have to start realizing that we have so much at our disposal and it's more about being really clean with the choice you're making and not eating yeah. it with your feeling a bad.
2: What I find that happens is that we restrict, we restrict, we restrict until all of a sudden we just go you know, F it and then eat something that we're like, gosh, if I had just maybe had the piece of fruit, I probably wouldn't have had all that sugar. And that is where, again, there's the piece around just mindful eating and honoring where we're at and who we are and, you know, even our heritage and our ancestry and our comfort foods. And how can we really make sure that food is nourishing and that relationship is healthy and not one that is, um, you know, repressive and negative. And puts us down because we all have to eat so we all have this relationship and we all get so many messages out there about food and it really is a process and it's a journey even for me sometimes when I work with clients I know there's clients that can look at a plate of food and tell me exactly how many calories are on that plate of food that's not a healthy relationship with food so food is information and what is that food telling your body and how is it interacting with your physiology that is when we start to see like wow you know what those figs those seasonal figs are really good for the microbiome and give my cells some healthy sugar and moisture in the drier time Mm -hmm. right and what about that protein what is that protein doing when it comes in and how is it interacting and what it how is it feeding my brain and helping my muscles and my body to rebuild and and what about those healthy fats you know like every single cell has a cell membrane and and those fats are contributing to that mm-hmm. and helping my body to communicate, you know, all the different tissues to communicate. And it's helping build my hormones because it's a building block of the whole endocrine system that's helping me to keep balanced and sleep well at night and pay attention and notice my hunger and all of my emotions and my temperature. So it really becomes this big picture where, again, like you said, it's our right to know. <laughs> it is our right to know. Like the majority of, people how have we learned nutrition and health we have learned it on like the packaging of a cereal box or the packaging of a granola bar or we've learned it in this total marketed subliminal kind of corrupt way i mean when i look at like a sugary cereal and i see that it says it's great for heart health You know, like that's a lie.
1: (laughs) Or fortified with vitamin A and E. Yeah, because it's all gone when they process it. They (laughs) have to
2: add it back in. So like we have not been told the truth and that's no fault of our own. But we have this opportunity, especially when we all want to protect our immune system. We have this opportunity to really take our health into our own hands. And that's really what with Edible Ayurveda and all the teaching Mm -hmm. that you do and all the teaching that I do. Let's empower each other. To know what is the best for our bodies and our health and our bodies. Like my body is going to be way different (laughs) than Deanna's and our our needs are different. It's all about recognizing that and understanding that and then making the choices as much as we can. And it's not about
1: perfection either. That's right. Beautifully said. There's one more question here before we end our session. But the question is about microgreen growing inside in the winter and their benefits. Well, first off, their benefits, you're getting a multivitamin. I mean, when I think of microgreens, I think of like new, fresh, young blood. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's just got all the minerals for your blood. And so what do they do? They do that. Which microgreen you'll have to look at? consider whether it's more warming or cooling but are they all enzymatic and fresh blood yes do we need that kind of year-round for pollution we do
2: i am a big fan of growing like i just finished a thing of uh, broccoli sprouts that i did when i was traveling because i didn't have my garden i thought well i might as well just grow some sprouts while i'm there so i think it's great because what you're doing in those moments like you're making let's say you know winter time you make a big pot of stew or soup and then maybe you throw some of those microgreens on top, or maybe it's a little salad. That's where you're getting like your vitamin C, and you're getting your fresh, where other things are going to be cooked. I personally think it's a great way to keep things really fresh and alive. And and like Deanna said, I mean the, the cool thing about microgreens, there's something found in broccoli, and it's called sulforaphane, and it's it's a isothiocyanate. It's very car- anti-carcinogenic, and it's activated when we eat it and it's very enzymatic and it, it's very protective to the stomach for even stomach cancers and against nitrates or anything like that so when you chew into a broccoli you activate it you throw a little thing of the broccoli sprouts you get this massive amount and the sprout or the microgreens have such full potential of life because it got it all stored in the seed and it's like you know until there's roots and until there's leaves, there's just the full potential. So it's super young, it's still gonna have so much of that potential, meaning like the minerals and the B vitamins and the, you know, all of that. So I'm a big fan of, you know, and, and plus then you've got these little babies that you're tending to and it's-
1: I know, I it's love that. fun
2: and it's an experience and you're caring for something. And it's easy.
1: And it's easy, yeah. Very easy. Yeah. You know, it's like anything alive. You're gonna have to keep it moist. You know, you're gonna have to give us some water and keep it moist. But other than that, I mean, you're growing them like in a jar, you know what I mean? Super simple. Yeah. So it's just a matter of getting used to doing that and and trying it once and then you'll see how simple it is and then you'll get to play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you all so much for joining us today. All right, well thank you so much and uh, just all of you for joining in and being on this journey with both of us yeah. in these really challenging times, remember you still have community, you still have yourself, and we still eat every day of our life. So may you enjoy
0: every one of those meals. Adiyom. This is My Body, a conversation situated at the intersection of elemental science, self-care, ancient arts and consent. Deanna Batdorf is your guide.